Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the Liberty Squadron Podcast. My name is Andrew Lewinsky and this week I am joined with Brett Freeman. Hey everyone. And from the yet another X-Wing podcast, Pete Lambro. Am I saying that right? Oh, you are saying it right. Oh, right. It's music to my ears. Great. It's, it's, uh, you, got the, you got the Y correct. It's yet. Yeah, you really hit the accent yet. there correctly. And uh, this is going to be the Liberty Squadron's Three Fat Dads edition. Or uh, <laughs> whatever. Should we call it edition or uh we're gonna, we're gonna... <laughs> series. Also... We'll call it a series in case it ever uh, happens again. Um, it's the heavy breathing episode. <sighs> oh, man. That's so. <laughs> we got some ASMR coming for you guys. ASMR glitter sim. Oh, that's somebody. That's another Andrew that does that. I'm sorry. Copyright infringement. Okay. So, mini extravaganza is somewhat postponed. I'm sure they're going to be doing streams probably within the next week or so that describes everything. But we have spoilers for the Avon pack. We had the UK World Open qualifier at the Game Expo. Uh, I'm getting that right. So they had about like 75 players there, but it was like 78, right? So we're, we're not going to go through the entire list of everything. But the one thing that I really do want to talk about this episode is the Thai Swarm did win the entire thing. And I feel like everyone, as soon as they saw those new rules, everyone's like, the Thai Swarm is dead. All swarms are dead. Now I'm really like, awesome. Like, yo, yo, are swarms actually dead? Or were they not dead? And I, I'm like sitting here trying to put every swarm together that I possibly can. Uh, so I, I, I want to say I, I am not trying to put together every swarm that I possibly can right now, but uh, I will say that uh, it really, it, this really proved a lot of people wrong because not only were people like, Oh yeah, the tie swarm is dead. Swarms are dead. They were like formation flying is dead. And if you watch that final, there is some, excellent formation flying, including a moment where he chose to broke formation perfectly, right? Like to, excuse me, to break formation perfectly. Uh, so like the, these classic swarm techniques are still viable and just won a huge tournament, right? No, absolutely. And it's, uh, we've had a lot of discussion about this within our discords and everything. And like a lot of people, I mean, obviously Iden is like one of the big things that are, that make this work, but uh, mm-hmm. And like I know you said you're not looking at like different like swarms or anything like that, but like, and that's I just because I'm not a I'm I, I my brain is too peanut size. Sure, yeah, like, I'm not. A <laughs> no, swarm yeah, guy. you you definitely need a lot of patience and, and a lot of precision to fly swarms, but uh, at mm-hmm. the same time, it gives you hope to flying higher count ships. Like I immediately went to, I mean, I know Brett can be like, this is a uh, whatever list where it's the Drea with the uh, five HLC seeks, where I'm like. I kind of want to put that on the table now because I feel like that is something that could not win a UK system open or anything, but I feel like that's something that could actually kind of see some kind of legs to it. It could totally win a UK system open. Uh, maybe. Uh, my Drea list, my Drea build is completely secret. I'll never reveal that. But I, I got to say, if if there's anything that this the, the results of this tournament has taught us is it is so much more about the player behind the list than the specific list. Because so true. looking looking at when when the points got released, there was one name that dominated every conversation across every platform, and it was Darth Vader in the TIE Defender, right? Even at last month's ECG tournament that I was at, we had our top one and two 
tie, <laughs> Darth Vader and the Tide Defender, right? Uh, but then you look at this top cut, and not only did, did Darth Vader not make the top table, he didn't even make the top four. <laughs> I definitely feel that, and I, I, I have I call it the copy pasta method, where people just kind of like will see the top things and then they won't try anything new or anything like that. Yes, I yeah, think absolutely. that's very. Uh, I love seeing these results all the time because then people people will put on the uh, tax form, but it might grow and branch out to different ideas for people to be like, okay, I can really do this, I can practice this, and like it might lead to other things. So uh, yeah. I'm pleasantly surprised with everything that's happened in this tournament and uh i'm really excited to see what does come out of it is it okay if i i touch on a couple things in martin the winner martin's uh list that uh that really stand out to me personally sure as exciting right like yes it's a tie swarm right i think i i personally am not I'm not a 1.0 player, right? I am not burned out seeing the TIE LN on the table. I think it's a cool looking ship. It's a classic ship. I'm an original trilogy guy, so I love it, right? But he's got one, two, three, four, five crack shots in the list, right? That's a lot of crack shot. And with seven ships, you're getting a bullseye on somebody, right? Um, and then the other thing that stands out to me for a thing I love is the precision ion engines upgrade that he has on Gideon Hask and Iden, which if you're not familiar with, allows you to take a, I want to say speed one through three K turn and change it to a sloop, right? In either direction. Uh, you can do that twice a game. I love that upgrade. I used to run it in 2.0 on everybody's favorite V-Wing, Contrail, and made him this weird kind of AC little guy uh, because at I-5, or in the case of Gideon and Iden at I-4, you kind of get around some road complications by looking at where your opponents have ended up and say, I'm doing a K-turn. Like, I need to turn around. I'm doing a K-turn. Do I want to do my K-turn? Or do I want to sloop left or right? You suddenly have more options to complete that advanced maneuver and, like, stay on target, you know? I think it's and get just those a, bullseyes lined up. Get those bullseyes lined up. It's just an often overlooked upgrade. So one of the other things that I really kind of liked about this list is it doesn't have... I mean, granted, a lot of these ships are at I-4. Wampa's obviously I-1, but there's no swarm tactics either. Like, uh, yes, if you remember... Uh, like, Except for the one on Hellrunner. Yeah, Hellrunner. Oh, swarms. I missed that one. Okay, I just saw the correction. Even it's still, like, right but... but the the old 2.0 uh tie swarm was you swarmed everything up right? no yeah he's not he's not swarm chaining so, no. so you're you're probably what swarming like wampa up to five yeah i could see you swarming wampa up to five i could see you swarming the isb jingoist up to five that could be really valuable uh because he's at i2 and i believe his ability happens when you engage right correct so like bumping that to the the front of your engagement is could be valuable. Right. I'm looking it up to confirm my yeah you're yeah you're before you correct. yeah before you engage yeah so <clears throat> you could you know what I mean like you, you bump that jingoist up you strip a meaningful green token or apply a strain or apply a deplete before you know an I five is like so much more valuable than an I two and then you let your you know howl runner or your Gideon take a really solid shot. Right, so... um, Is it solid or bananas? What? Nothing. Okay. <laughs> <Thank> Sorry. <you. laughs> 
Okay, so let's talk about like formation of flying a little bit with this. Like if now with road and everything like that, if you have overlap, are you so you're are, are you trying to actually fly this in the best formation or maybe like after that initial engage, are you just breaking out and then okay, whoever is close to the Hal runner is you know, the one that's really uh one that you're going to capitalize on or do you think that it, it's just going to be a chance at this point to uh you break out and you're trying not to bump everything or bump each other and then just hope for the best. So, so I personally would not be flying this just strictly in a block. Um, for anyone who did play 1.0, I mean, if you, you think back on all the, the time flying bigs, like very often the ships would still be in range one, even if you weren't making like a super huge effort to be flying in a formation. I mean, I think as long as you're, you're trying to point them relatively in the same direction, and be kind of near each other, Hell Runner is going to trigger a lot. You have those crack shots pushing through more damage. You have discipline giving, you know, target locks. So when you're not near Howl, like you still get some, uh, some mods. So I don't think you need to be flying it strictly in a block, but when you do have that ability to converge, I think it just makes it significantly more potent. I think I disagree with Brett. I think I think you want to at the very least start in a tight formation, right? Because the tight formation, yes, a lot of times you'll benefit a ship or two ships from Hal Runner, even if you're not making the effort to. But in order to maximize, I mean, these are two dice ships, right? You got to maximize that Hal Runner potential. You got to maximize the rerolls. You truly, if you're concentrating fire on enemy ship, each of these tie fighters needs to be getting two hits, and the way you do that is with Hal Runner. Right. And I I think you got to start in that tight block, but you need to. This is where the big brain stuff comes in. You need to like not just consider when you'll be blocked. You need to truly anticipate every blocking opportunity your opponent has to avoid it. Right. Because if you get blocked and you get yourself in an early traffic jam, you're really screwed. Right. But if you are able to anticipate blocks and you're able to evade them, uh, and break up at the appropriate time, then I think you're in a pretty solid spot, pretty strong spot. So one of my questions, uh, I mean, I did not get to catch any of these games, but I'm, I'm curious if the majority of his games were against three to four or five uh, ship or list, ship lists, or if he ever kind of went up against another list that had multiple ships and really kind of, I mean, anyone that's ever played a swarm against a swarm, it could be a nightmare on the table. So I'm curious if, like, I know people will start to gravitate towards four ship lists uh, after this point change, but I, I am genuinely curious to see if there was any uh, swarm on swarm action that he had to go through, and, and if that would have made a big difference as far as like the bumps or anything like that. Well, I can tell you this. So his first list was against, or his first game was uh, a Vader defender and a five Tie fighter list well, then a uh, looks like a four ship republic list a four ship rebel list um another vader defender and four tie fighters um a vader uh x1 uh rexler breath reaper and wampa list and then kylo nightfall grudge and static so that was his uh, his Swiss. So the first round started with the... Oh, I guess he had two 
uh, what six chip list that he played against. I feel like I would consider those swarm adjacent, right? Yeah, like because because his swarm is the true. Everyone needs to stick together to be a force multiplayer. But with those those Vader those Vader plus mini swarms, Vader can be on his own, and oftentimes wants to be on his own, right? Like he doesn't want to be part of that that grouping. So it's like less of the classic swarm counterplay required there. Yes, agreed. Um, The game that he lost uh, was the Vader X1, Rexler, Vizier, and Wampa one. Just um, in case anyone was curious, 18 to 21, though. So a close game, assaulted the satellite in eight rounds. So sounds like it could have probably gone either way. Now, that's actually an interesting point, mentioning the scenario, because back to Andrew's initial question of, you know, do you fly in the block or not? It probably is very scenario dependent how early you're splitting up. And Assault of the Satellite Array is one that super does not favor flying in tight formation. Because if your opponent can spread out, they're just going to be beating you on objective points. No problem. Yeah, that's probably true. I mean, the the block is still pretty big, so you can you can probably be trying to cap like two of them each turn. But um, I, I, think up, I do right? agree with you. Sorry, what was that, Pete? I said, yeah, just line her up, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> let me just let me just massage my way in here. Like, and I, I think the points. objective placement's really important with this list. Yeah, I was going to say that. I, I definitely think that it, turn zero is going to be huge, uh, thinking about that. I, I mean, obviously, you want to have a specific turn zero for any of the lists you build, but I definitely think that that is a... Oh, look, there's another absolute tie storm here. Yeah, I feel like it was the exact same list. It was. Um, well, love, man. I just love to see a tie swarm. I love, I love, I love that the top table had had a tie swarm and had. I mean, to the it, this this winning list has only has no non limited ships, right? You know, the t- true definition of quote unquote generic. Right. Um, even though it has an ISB jingoist, those are limited too, right? Like it has. It has limited ships. It has only limited ships, rather. And I just think that's great. I think it's exciting to see. Yes, and it plays quite well with Disciplined. Oh, God, Disciplined. What do you guys think? Just This is slightly uh, off topic, I guess. But what do you think about so many ships having like double talent slots now? Like That's a design choice that I don't think I necessarily love. Yeah, I always thought it was cool that A-Wing pilots got it because it was like meant to be this little glass cannon that you had to be so skilled to fly, right? Like it really was thematic that they would have two talent slots. Um, truthfully, I don't care. <laughs> like when it comes to like lots of ships having access to two talent slots, I don't care. It's fine. We'll have yeah, more upgrades I think they the need to. I think they need to be careful with it because I mean, looking at this, like I mean, a lot of times there was a reason that crack shot went up to three points in two that it was everyone took it so it's like if you have double talent slots it's just kind of like okay i'm bringing auto include crack shot so it's we know amg is still learning a lot and, and they're you know probably gonna have to figure things out and it's something that we'll, we'll discuss later but i i think that's something that they might want to take a, a look at later down the road um because we are seeing a lot of that where like people are just bringing proton torps and we're just you know well my my argument kind of against that, right, is that people bringing a lot of crack shot or people bringing a lot of pro torps aren't necessarily 
a problem I think you need to solve, right? Like these are single game abilities or in the event of Proton Torpedoes, twice a game abilities, right? So having having that available to more people, uh, it's kind of like a uh, rising tide lifts all boats, right? If everybody's got Protorps, then nobody has a strict advantage in taking a Protorp. It's just how you use it, right? Same as anything else in the game. Um, some of the abilities though, uh, that happen every time forever. Uh, I'm thinking like juke on Vader defender, for example, right. Or juke on baby Anakin or one of the other N ones, right. Juke plus the full throttle ability is super problematic to me because it's like, this is not something you're choosing to use. It's not like a charge you're expending. It's just this like huge bonus to your offensive power. Uh, in a way that is like unstoppable almost, right? And it's like, uh, you're going to get that the whole game. It's not like crack shot where it's like, I did it. I lined up my crack shot and I spent my charge and I'm done now, right? True, but I mean, five crack shots is enough to take out, I mean, most of a Vader. Right, like, so like, I mean, just going back to like what what Brett was saying though about like the double uh, EBTs, like uh, it's it's getting to the point that it's like, if everyone has it, there's no diversity into the game, and and I think, uh, and I think that becomes troublesome. And I really, like I said, I think that uh, there's going to be certain times that it just kind of feels everyone's bringing crack, crack shot, and it's just like okay, that that that's going to get stale at a certain point. Um, now yeah. I think crack shot would be a great a card to put on the restricted list. Oh man. I was just going to say that I'm loving the idea of a restricted list for things like crack shot, like pro torps, right? Like, yeah, like, yeah, the rebellion had proton torpedoes, but that shit's expensive and they're a scrappy rebellion. They can't afford to be bringing pro torps on every fucking ship and wasting them on tie fighters, right? They use pro torps to destroy the death star, not to destroy Wampa. Right. So that that's kind of what came came up in one of our conversations was that a lot of people are bringing uh, pro torps, and it's like tie swarms are kind of like the counter. Like even, I guess any swarms kind of like the counter that you're like, okay, I'm gonna blow this twelve point you know torpedo on your two point three point uh, ship, and it's like, okay, yeah, you might blow it up in one shot, but if I can you know shoot with him or like you know get it off, then that that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, is, is it really even worth it? It's even worse when there's a ship that says, "What if we just pretended that attack didn't happen." <laughs> Oh, God, I, but again, Iden's a once per game effect too. So like, it's yeah. super good. Like that's a, an incredible ability, but it's limitation, I think makes it, you know, usable, like makes it fair and not terrible to play against. Right. Like, yes, boy, does it suck to like blow your awesome four hit and a crit Protorp shot on, on Hellrunner only for Iden to go, mm, whatever, how about no, right? Oh, right? But it's still like, like that's, it's again, it's once a game, right? Like I'm, I'm not perturbed by it because it's a single, it's a single time. I was just looking, I don't, I, you probably don't remember the, the old days of Juke Snapshot. I started playing in January, 2020 moments before oh. I cursed the world to stop playing X-Wing forever. <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, but uh, I was looking at, I mean, Snapshot's nine points. There's no way that anything with 15 points can uh, have an evade. Well, they need, they need the free, they need the, to really benefit from Juke, right? 
you gotta have <clears throat> you gotta have an ability that grants the evade rather than wasting your action on it, right? I guess with snapshot, not necessarily, but to really benefit from juke, you wanna you wanna get free evades, right? Um, and <laughs> to uh, so you have to have fifteen points, a double talent slot, and a way to like make your own evades, right? Right, so I mean, like you, no. you kind of what it really kind of is for is like the lower initiative, because like that's what it, when it first came out that like you would just bring on a bunch of low initiative A wings and you'd uh, throw Juke and Snapshot on both of them, and they'd be like, okay, we're moving first and we're all evading, and then we're just going to uh, attack yeah, yeah. you before you can uh, you know even get a focus. So, um, I assume that's on their radar, some stuff like that, because like nothing can take it that's even worthwhile, but. Uh, like I said, I, I am a little worrisome about the crack shot spam or the, I mean, I don't know if proton spam is really that big of an issue, but. Well, and, and to that point, I actually don't think Thai swarm is that big of an issue either. Right. Like I don't think Thai, I think Thai swarm is pretty wholesome. I don't think it's going to be a menace. I think there are going to be people who try it. I think it's in the hands of a skilled player, like we watched and we saw in this finals match here uh, in the hands of a skilled player it can be deadly. But I think if you gave Martin Chivers a different list that he was skilled with, he would also do really well with that list. Like, it, it's not it's not like he rolled up and was like, Ty Swarm is the powerhouse. He rolled up and he's like, I'm good at this game and I like to play a Ty Swarm effectively. And then he won. You know what I mean? Which is what I want to see. Like, I want to see it be a, um, players utilizing their tools correctly rather than an overpowered tool. Do you know the meme of the guy behind the tree with the yellow jacket that's like, you know, got his hand. He's like rubbing his hand. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's yeah. like, yo, as soon as Trajectory Simulator got banned, he was like, Ty Swarm, here we go. It's, it's, it's time to go. He's, <laughs> he's been in the shadows the whole time. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but wrapping this up, I, I definitely think it was super interesting to see the, the Ty Swarm. Like, I mean, that, that's just wholesome for the game. And like, I, I think that's kind of what AMG really wanted to to put these big names on the table so and i think yeah. it definitely worked i mean that it was a rebel versus imperial tie swarm like, yeah man definitely yeah. um well and the other thing i want to point out before we move on from here is the um so at this event it's important to note the rogue class and the clone z were not available for use right they were not they were not allowed in lists um and we saw no scum in the top cut and I think those are correlated because I think that rogue class is going to be a big boost to scum's viability. Um, I have yet to play with it, so I actually well, you should Brett try it. I no, yeah. I did play Brett, and he conceded within two rounds. That sounds things, right. things went very poorly. <laughs> I I also played Brett and lost. Um, <laughs> your boy Chad Bain, though, good shit. Uh, he is. He it seems ship. really cool. It's a cool. It's a cool ship. Um, particularly that like a uh, cloak followed by you know the the decloak like right to bank left like you can get in some really good places for sure yeah super good flanking he's got room for like synced laser cannons uh, and then the title gives him a crew slot and scum has such a variety of crew right like I I was running him simple I was doing synced plus a force crew right uh, but you could easily go with a cheap crew you could do like Zuckus and. <clears throat> And then just load up with other. He's got two illicit slots. He's got a mod slot. He's got a bunch of stuff available to him. It's just it's a cool ship, and the model looks great. What was that? Oh, I was using Gamut. Gamut key. 
just to be like, okay, I'm going to have a focus target lock this round. Boom. But the important question is, which of the two models do you like more? I like the, the CIS one better. I I be, I see. I was I was on your team, Andrew. I liked that CIS one better until I saw it in person. The the scum one though is pretty spicy looking. I I was thinking the same thing, and then Pete showed me both of them, and I I agreed with him as well. Well, the the scum one rolls better. I don't know. Yes, you get more crits with the scum one. Oh really? Yeah. Uh, facts. All right. So let's move on to the Battle of Yavin pack. So Mini Scra- oh, yeah. Stravaganza dropped. They released a decent article. People were like, yay, actual content. They explained why TIE IN interceptors were there. That, you know, so people could stop being like, yeah, we're even at in the movie. But Okay, and yet people ignored that part of the article and <laughs> really? still complained. I, that, I thought 11. it was really sad, too, that like they even needed to devote that much time to explaining like hey we we were talking with like lfl like we know they weren't in the movie but like we also know they existed so like it's okay we're not just making stuff up we're not ruining your star wars and it was sad that they had to do that okay i will say i don't know if it was sad but so like i i don't i don't get into arguments about star wars with people i think i don't do that right but but i think it's fun to invest yourself in lore, right? Like I think there, I think there is a joy in well, actuallying someone not in a malicious way, but in like a let's geek out way. I think that is like a really fun thing to do. Um, so, but so from their perspective, I can understand them being like, listen guys, I know we didn't see them in the movies, but well, actually the prototype was available. And don't you know what? Like Iden was there, right? Like, it's just like, I, I can see it. Like that's, it's got the same energy as uh, if you ever guys ever done pencil and paper RPGs like D and D or back in the day. Sure. Yeah, sure. It's the same energy as like justifying a weird uh, rule change for your character creation. Right. Be like, listen, I know druids can't wear metal, but my druid, right. Was raised actually in this, in the city. That's why all my wild shapes are like rats and dogs and like other like city. And you know what I mean? Like you just get into this whole thing where it's like, you like build the, you like, you justify yourself with the lore. And so it, it had the same energy as that to me, right. Reading that was like, these guys were like, listen, we know they weren't there, but guys, they were George like, listen, <laughs> LFL, LFL, we needed three ships for rebels and we needed three ships for Imperials. So interceptors were there, right? But it, I, I don't think it even matters. Um, I, I'm happy that we got these packs. Uh, I am really ecstatic to see that the, the that these cards are going to be available in standard play and not just in the scenario play that we're going to be getting with this pack yes I, uh, part of me almost like is this like I, i'm excited to like try this just on a casual night but uh, i'm also like a little bit like is this going to be like epic play or something along those lines um, well uh they in the article they say you build lists to 35 points using this right. stuff yeah, I would imagine it's also one two mats too. So, uh, yeah, thirty, yeah, thirty five squad points, and there are in the pack. What is this? Sixteen? Uh, no, sorry, eight Death Star trench tokens. Right. So, like, there's like, how cool stuff, does this man. sound? Oh my god! Like, I want to do the trench run. 
It's, it's, <laughs> well, I mean, surely you guys have seen pictures on the internet where people have like their their plastic Death Star trench where they've set up X-wing models in it, right? Sure, yeah, which looks like, so that's, cool. <laughs> it looks so cool. I'm now in. there's going to be rules to make it real, which is even yeah. cooler. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, Andrew, I think you might be right though. I think this is, I think this is a taste of how they might handle Epic, um, which to me sounds fucking dope. <laughs> Sure. I'm, I mean, if it's like thematic and like there's actual like, uh, I mean, I'm sure that they they probably not that hard to integrate some kind of large or the uh, huge base ships into this. So, uh, yeah. Give me the echo base evacuation scenario pack. <laughs> yeah, I can use this rebel transport I got here. Right. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, one of the th- big things that we'll, we'll probably talk about, like, uh, maybe not all the cards, but probably, like, the big changes that, like I said, the cards that they're coming with, they're almost like the quick build cards. They don't have, like, those little pips, but they did change uh, almost all the abilities on them. Yeah, yeah, almost all. Um, and boy, am I already exhausted by uh people at like that man guess you're familiar with the internet yeah on this podcast oh yeah 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 i've heard i try to avoid it boy you can't go anywhere on the internet where this is posted without seeing someone who thinks they came up with the very funny comment oh boy how exciting quick builds i can't believe ffg never thought of that everyone would have loved it like slash s like then they pat themselves on the back and like show their uh, mom that they posted it, you know. To be fair, I always thought <laughs> quick builds should have been part of the game, you know. They well, they were <laughs> right. Like, like I, I, I think I think FFG was a little afraid to push on integration of those, and and they, and I feel like they should have. It could it could have been really good. I thought right? like uh, quick format. build drafts were going to be so popular. Yeah, and they, they just never happened. But it it really sounded like it could be a cool kind of format. Yeah, I but yeah, they to your point they changed a lot of these abilities. The only the only ship ability that is not changed at all is Luke Skywalker's pilot ability. That we know he, of so far. Yes, that we know of so far. Yes. Right. Well, cuz there is Dutch's in this pack, but is it but it's but it's John Dutch, and not our good friend Zach told me today that that meant I could run both of them. Okay, that's <laughs> I, he. T- he told me that too, and I said that's definitely not true. I said I understand what you're saying, but that's 100 percent not accurate. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's like running two Peter Parkers. Can't do it. That's right, and illegal MCP land. Um, and that's what this game is now: is MCP. Uh, see, I've heard that too, and I still disagree. <laughs> no, it's super not. I mean, to be fair, a lot of miniatures games share mechanics. Uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, so you're saying this is MCP now is like saying MCP is kill team. Well, kill exactly. Team is, you know what I mean? It's it's If you're saying X-Wing is becoming a more traditional miniatures war game, okay. You, right. You caught me. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, we can't counter that because it's true, right? I actually think that though that is probably better for the sustainability of the game. I, I one hundred percent agree. To like to have it more in line with these other miniatures games, right? Like miniature, and, like is that type of game? 
so like uh, i don't want to get off too much topic but like thinking about that like it's you know we know the like legacy uh community is there they they do not like this uh new format or anything but like we see this in every shift of the game where people leave the game and it's mm-hmm. not just x-wing it happens in every single game but it also you know i see probably equal amount of posts of people being like i want to play this game now because mm-hmm. it, it does remind them of other games or it does you know draw people in that is like i haven't played it in a while because of x problems i already out of the game because of problems that were not addressed and now that things are fixed so it's kind of like yeah it definitely is i think good for the game and it's is drawing people in that um you know were either out of the game or they weren't picking up the game because it didn't have certain things like this and they they were kind of like just eyeballing and waiting for that to happen well let me tell you what's going to draw new players andrew uh we're going to fast forward to december 3rd when presumably we're doing something together at PAX Unplugged and people are going to walk by and they'll be like, is that Luke Skywalker racing down the Death Star trench on that tabletop right there? Is this a Star Wars? And they are going to look and immediately recognize Luke Skywalker being chased by Darth Vader and know what that game is, right? Like, and that is, that is something that will get people interested. I tell you what, I 100% will commit to a, as long as everything goes as smoothly as we're expecting, I will do a Friday night narrative and have like the Death Star and everything and people can just fly a ship and it will be fun. Uh, A 270th scale Death Star? Guaranteed? Uh, I mean, <laughs> I don't I know. It might, just, it might just be a playmat uh, that looks like the Death Star. And uh, we'll get I'll take it. three printed turrets and stuff, but uh, we will do a narrative event. And, uh, you know, but yeah, no, going back to what I was saying, though, is like, yeah, like yeah, I said, yeah. it definitely draw like for every time we have people drop out of the game, you know, people, how many people sold their stuff at 2.0? probably you know i know we're not at the height of the game of what it once was but people are coming back to the game and, and i've seen equal amount of posts that the you know this battle of yavin packet is drawing people in that they're excited to try it yeah. that they can like have cards on the table that they don't have to have a million upgrade cards they can just put these on the table yeah i think um this is not an original thought of mine i've definitely heard this before but the upgrade cards in x-wing are kind of like an original sin situation right like they the first the soonest upgrade cards became a thing balancing became a nightmare right balancing became a a hugely difficult thing because then in the future every upgrade card had to be considered for every available ship that could take it right and this method of building ships that we're going to talk about these ships here eliminates that while still offering ship differentiation and ship unique abilities to every ship right um, and I I am excited for it. And uh, here's the other thing, but like just the style of these cards and the format of them, like you can and be like, okay, cool, tight. I'm bringing Battle of Yavin Vader, and like you could be like, okay, I know exactly what it is. I don't know what you're, you know, have to know your yeah. build. Yeah, I don't but even. But it look also at it, opens yeah. the door of being like, okay, I'm bringing Rebels Vader. That it could be like a future card back that you know yeah. we obviously can't ask them. But like it, it's like there's so many possibilities that they could absolutely do now that um. They, they can just absolutely pull from the millions of Star Wars things that they could do with this. And they do yeah, say okay. that this is the first of many scenario packs. Oh my god, what if they do a Scarif scenario pack? I'd be so happy. 
They have I would to. love a like with U wings and and like strikers and reapers and stuff. Yes, that would be wild. X-wings. Or or even even if it wasn't necessarily Scarif, or if it was just Rogue One, you can get like uh, Renegade, sure. like the small Renegades, or you know, like Jetta Defenders or something like that. Right, like all kinds of cool stuff. Well, I mean, it, even though we didn't see like All Souls Renegades in the movie, they were probably like, right outside the you know. Right, right. Yeah, they were just hanging out. They were hanging out. They were in a battle cruiser right outside. Having, having a brew. Saul well, did not die in that explosion. Spoiler alert. Give me that give me that blue squadron mustache guy. <laughs> right. Hey, was that uh, an accurate spoiler? Yeah, we have we have that picture like in our Discord just hanging out there. Yeah, man. Oh, uh, it's the best. Okay, so let's move on. Let's talk about a little bit of these cards. Yes, sir. We'll start with Vader. So, I mean, he comes with marksmanship. He comes with hate. He comes with afterburners. The advanced targeting computer is normal. But what changes about him is he basically has a force charge guidance chip. So while you perform an attack, you may spend one force token charge uh, to change one blank result to a hit result. That is one of my favorite power creep mechanics in the game. Well, he's got he's got basically half of Ray's ability. Right, like Ray and the Falcon. Right, because she she can do that. Uh, he also notably, I don't know if this is a typo or not. He has an extra shield. He has a shield upgrade. Right. He's got he's got a shield upgrade. He's got like he Vader three. Defender Ray ability. Um, I mean, the math is so ridiculous here. I think if he has a target lock and he rolls three dice, um, he gets something like two point nine nine hits, which is incredible. But but. He's not invincible. He has six health. He's rolling three dice, but my man is going to be trying to target lock a lot, and he's going to be force starved because he can use his force on defense, and that's fine. Uh, but if he's out, you know, hopefully you're if he's getting it back from hate, he's still taking damage. You know what I mean? So he's right. like he's beatable. And one of the big things is that if he he can't spend that force anymore to do the second uh, action, so it's kind of like. Right. You were probably target locking, spending the force focusing where you're, you're not doing that now. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I would love to see a comparison of uh, target lock focus FCS Vader X1, like their expected hits versus this Vader's expected hits. I do wonder how if it's dramatically lower or not. Um well, you give me one second, and I'm gonna like. Yeah, you know. you get get into the get into the nerd hole, Brad. Two point eight one three is okay, uh, FCS which is focus. So that's not crazy. That's not much lower. Like no, yes, it's it, lower. It's still extremely good. Still um, extremely good. Uh, but then what you're losing is you are losing the ability to chain actions in a way, like, and you're losing different timing windows to do those actions. Like Vader X one off of afterburners can do some actions. Uh, he can do, you know, off of pattern analyzer can do some actions like he he has a lot more windows of opportunity to to do some slippery business that this Vader just doesn't have. Yeah. And I've always been a huge uh, FCS um, like fan as far as he goes. So I, I think that this Vader is worse, but I don't, I don't think that's bad. Right. Like they can they can price him aggressively and I don't think it breaks anything necessarily and then you get vader on the board which is just good for the game like you said yeah yeah we i was having a conversation with someone today uh actually it was joel joel killingsworth from the birmingham barons shout out joel 
know if you guys do shout outs on this podcast, but I do. Uh, <laughs> he and, and I was saying, you know, he's not strictly worse. He's just different. Right. And if he's a little cheaper and it enables different list compositions, that's a good thing. And you, you consider like it has to be, it, it becomes a real choice, right? Because you can look at, you can look at one, you know, some of these other ships versus their, their standard play counterparts, like where they're just standard card plus upgrade counterparts. And you could say this one's obviously better, right? No matter what the points is, I'm always going to take, like if they're the same points, I'm always taking this one. Or if it's a cheaper one, I'm always taking the cheaper one, right? But if this Vader is six points and regular X1 Vader is seven points with his 20-something loadout still, that's a choice you have to make, right? And you ha- and you can like you can look at those two and decide what's better for your use case and your play style. And I think that's super fascinating. Good, right? Uh, I, I just strongly agree with everything Pete said. Oh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. I didn't want to just echo <laughs> everything, but I, I do feel Sorry. that he's completely correct. I'm a, I'm a chair. I concur. <laughs> uh, so let's move on to Aiden. Brett, you want to talk about Aiden? Um, yeah, sure. Uh, so Aiden is in an interceptor here um, with sensitive controls, so you do not get the um, uh, auto thruster ability. Instead, you get the uh, the red booster barrel in the system phase um and she has a brand new ability um before a friendly tie so any type of tie at range zero to one would suffer damage you may spend two charges if you do prevent one hit or crit and she has two charges that are recurring um she also comes with a shield so she's got like a built-in shield upgrade just like we had with with Vader, uh, she has Predator built in, and she has a uh, a semi new uh, talent called Fanatic, uh, which is basically just uh, fanatical. Except uh, this one is if you are damaged, you can change one focus to a hit result as opposed to just being unshielded. Um, so uh, this ability seems incredibly strong. We were just talking earlier about how good Iden can be. Uh, the once per game mechanic um, mm-hmm. based on game length, this is probably a, a twice per game mechanic, but the ability to, to just cancel a crit uh, on any of your ships uh, at zero to one is incredibly strong. Uh, particularly, you know, if she's flying with Vader, for instance, that could be a way to, to keep him alive, even without that, that extra focus action, like we were just talking about. Well, in uh, in salvage mission, she's she herself is the ultimate crate carrier. Yeah, that's true, right? Every other turn, like <laughs> every other turn, <laughs> you yeah, you can't stop me here. <laughs> so, uh, one of the things that I was thinking though is like uh, with afterburners, or not afterburners, but whatever auto thrusters, auto thrusters. Thank you. Um, do you think she has problems keeping up with like something like Vader? Well, I mean, she has the uh, the system phase I mean, boost, right. and we know the interceptor dial is very good, right? It's got the blue four straight. All the twos are are blue. So, I mean, I they they have a better dial than the the X one does. So, I I don't think she's gonna have trouble keeping up with Vader personally. Sure. Yeah. I mean, no, I, and yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say I think she's a really good striker piece. Like, I feel like she's gonna be a really good offense piece. That she's just going to be able to with Predator and Fnatic, um, even though uh, Fnatic's going to be really hard to. I mean, I mean, she's going to be shieldless and have at least one to two damage on her. 
Right. Yeah, it's it's not going to come into play every every turn. Um, but I, I think what you're going to see is is you're absolutely right. She's going to be a very offensive piece. She is going to be able to dart in, maybe leave herself in in a more precarious position than you do would traditionally put a tie interceptor, knowing that she's rolling three dice. She can cancel one damage, right? She's like got a little bit of oomph and protection on her so she can get in do some work and then get out and circle back, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and like, th- that's sort of what I was really kind of thinking was like, she's just going to be able to like, maybe even just be like a really good flanker that like, if you do call her and, you know, kind of like try to circle in on her, she's going to be able to take the damage. Like it almost right. feels a little bit similar to like, like similar to like Fang fighters that you're just going to be able to like, okay, I-, I can take some hits and uh, it's not really going to matter. I'm still going to bust out that damage. Right, yeah, she's got to. She's gonna get in there. She's gonna bully, and you can you can kind of count on her for at least one pass, like at least one range one um, engagement. All right, let's uh, let's move on to Luke Skywalker. Hell yeah, so, Brett, you heard of this guy, Luke? I he have good. heard of him. He is he's pretty pretty neat. He's a goddamn zoomer. Uh, so everything You're fucking looks- kids today. <laughs> Damn, they're so lazy. So lazy. Um, so, God, well, I was gonna. Oh, the only thing that really has changed. Uh, so obviously, he has hope now that after another friendly ship uh, at range zero to three is destroyed, you may perform a focus or boost action, and he has the attack speed uh, EPT now, which is a new EPT. After you fully execute a three or four straight maneuver, you may boost using the one straight template. So mm-hmm. Brett, it's all like he can go six straight, six straight, Luke. I like it. Yeah, and that's neat. That's a neat trick. Um, some another important thing though is like, so I, I thought Luke didn't look that different on first pass. I was like, oh, he's kind of the same because his his literal pilot ability is the same, right? After you declare the defender, you can recover a force. Fine, but this Luke does not have S foils. Right. His right. S foils are locked in attack position. Um, his R2D2 has one fewer charge. Oh, I did not pick up on that. He only has two charges, not three. Um, and again, his, his the only time he gets to boost is if a friendly dies and he gets to do a boost action or if he went three or four straight and wants to boost one forward. Right. Which is valuable, especially at I5. Right. Like, and as if a free you're trying boost to. Too. And it's a free, it's a free boost, and as we discussed in the pre-show, it can be used while stressed, and it's not count as an action, right? So if you are range controlling to get these proton torpedoes off, right, that could be super valuable. It's like okay, he's I five, he went three. Ooh, I'm just out. I'm gonna free boost, then target lock, and I'm set. Right? It's all good stuff. eleven. Okay, so one of the things I do kind of want to like we we don't know the entirety of the rules of the scenario that's coming out. But we know that you can make a, what was it? A trench run action or something like that action. And it's kind of like, I'm looking at this and it's like, I don't know if it's like, you have to go a certain amount of distance before you can make a torpedo attack at that little hole or uh, something. But it would be really interesting to see if like, cause like if you have to like go two turns and you're just like, I'm not going to be shooting anyway, I'm just going to R2 D2. Uh, this 
you know, two turns to make sure I'm not dying from the Vader on my tail. And I don't know how I feel about him as per se, like in a regular uh, match, as opposed to I really kind of think I'd like him and in the scenario objective. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that. Like the, Luke is the one who's standing out to me as like, I'm less likely to take this Luke, because even if they said to me, this Luke is five points, Luke with 22 loadout or 20 loadout, whatever he's got is six points. I'm almost always going to err on the side of the six point Luke because I can build the Luke that I want. And those S foils are hugely valuable. Yeah. Closed S foils are just valuable. No, I I definitely agree. And like I said, I think I'm excited to try this Luke out on the uh, scenario. Um, but I would probably bet. I mean, like they'd have to make Luke super good in the scenario to be like, look, it's him. He's blowing up the Death Star, and we gave him all the tools to do so. So, oh, absolutely, yeah. Brett, what do you think? Would you would you uh, take this Luke in a uh, standard? So sorry, I was talking, but I was muted. Um, I I think you guys are probably right that the other Luke is is better. Um, but. If this one is a point cheaper, like I, I think it's totally worth it. I think um, the S foils losing that is is big. There's no doubt about that. But um, I, I think that the range control on that initial pass is is extremely important, and this does have that taken care of. I, I like the the build out with instinctive aim, proton torps, and R two D two. And the thing I think I'm most surprised about is that. Of all the pilots that they let keep their original ability, this is the one that we've seen so far because this ability has always seemed like a mistake to me. That it's just far too good to have uh, essentially infinite force on a ship. So, Brett, Brett what are you doing? We know we love Luke's ability. Shut up. I, I know. I'm just <laughs> I'm very surprised. And I'm also surprised that R2D2. Uh, stayed a disarm token instead of a yes. token. Yes, I am. I am hugely surprised. Yes, because original, like the first two point R two D two deplete wasn't a thing. Exactly. Yeah. So they gave him disarm, and now all future R two D twos do deplete, and that's way better. And Rebel R two D two deserves to be way better. Yeah. So I, I like. I mean, this <laughs> this is peak R two D two, right? So, uh, well, I guess maybe prequel R two D two is peak R two D two, but this I think is Republic, still yeah. very good R two D two. Um, so yeah, I was surprised that that did not change, especially when you pointed out that it's only two charges instead of three, which I did not notice. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I, I think it's, uh, it's not bad. And I actually just love the, the thematicness of no, your S foils are locked into attack position. Like one of the, my least favorite things about S foils is perhaps the fact that they're not just like a, a one charge, uh, card where once you flip them you can't you can't open them or once you open them you can't close them again in that battle so i like that they kind of took care of uh of that here because there's it's pretty weird when you think about you know they're open now they're closed three three seconds later they're open again like that if we're talking about getting lost in the lore that one kind of now hang on brett let me ask you a question about your childhood yes sir Did, did you ever play Rogue Squadron 2 Rogue Leader on the Nintendo GameCube. You know, I, I believe I did, but I, I was a much bigger fan of like X-Wing Alliance and, and those okay. uh, TIE Fighters. So, oh, PC Boy. Yeah. The personal computer. So in 
I have some of the fondest memories of like, so like I, the, my birthday is in December and my birthday is December 29th. Right. So I, I got a GameCube for Santa brought the GameCube for Christmas, you see. And then my mom in the mall was like, let's buy a game for your birthday. Right. And I picked, and I was like a star Wars for the GameCube. Like I was like in the, I don't know, EB games or whatever. So I was like super hyped and I, I got this game. I put it in, in the opening mission. I am attacking the death star. And let me tell you, if you press the left trigger all the way in, you will speed up tremendously. And if you try to speed up fast enough, you will close your S foils because you can go faster with them closed. So in the game, it's like, I got to get to the objective. You speed up and you close those S foils. And then when the tie swarm comes shown up, you press the other trigger and you slow down, open S foils and start wrecking people. And it's incredible. So, so I'm a big open and closer. Of you S-foils. mean to tell me if you press the buttons harder, you actually do go faster. Uh, well, so actually on the GameCube, <laughs> <laughs> on the GameCube, the trick just to get way off topic here, but the triggers are analog, oh. uh, pressure sensitive, and they have a two step activation. So you can press it all the way down. Okay. And then if you actually click it in, it's a different trigger. That's pretty right. Sick. It's, it's, they're, they're two, they're two step buttons. Uh, with the first step has analog sensitivity. So like, depending on how far down you press it through the first step, it does a different degree of sensitivity and then you click in for the final step. So yes, actually. So get right, Andrew. <laughs> That's what I well, said. Well, okay. Well, I always knew it on the Nintendo that if you press the button, it goes faster. Press it as hard as you can. It's also, true. And if you throw a Pokeball and hold down, down an A at the same time. Oh, I always press the up and B. Oh, so you, that, you were that. fucking up. You were fucking uh, up. I don't know. It Stand worked night. for me. It always works. <laughs> it worked. And Mew is under the truck by the boat. Uh, uh, yes. And uh, I mean, Missing was actually <laughs> real, but. Actually, yeah, Our, I remember that one. Uh, let's let's move on to Han Solo, Brett. You can, oh, uh, you can talk so about excited. your baby. Go ahead. Tell, tell me, Brett, and then. Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah. I mean. Brett's size like it's not good. Well, no, no. I, I think Han is is very interesting here. I'm just trying to figure out where to start because there's there's kind of a lot here. Um, all right, so uh, regular uh, Millennium Falcon Han, like the the five shields, eight hull, um, one agility, three attack, bow tie. Uh, but a, a brand new ability. After performing an attack that hits, you may spend one charge to perform a coordinate action. Han comes with four charges that do not recur. Uh, so that is opportunity one to spend a charge. You hit someone, you can coordinate in the middle of the uh, engagement phase, which is obviously incredibly valuable. Um, he also comes with a uh, a different ability. He does not have the hope one that, that uh, Andrew described before. He has solo. While you defend or perform an attack, if there are no other friendly ships at range zero to one, you may spend one charge to reroll one of your dice. Uh, so kind of a lone wolf built in there, except uh, only you only need to be away from range one, um, and you do only have the four charges for the entire game. So he loses the ability to just reroll dice whenever the hell he wants to, um, if he's by an asteroid. But um, I'm I have curious if there's even going to be asteroids in that. Yeah, that that's fair too. Scenario, yeah. Right. I have flown a lot of Han Solo. Uh, generally, I have found that rerolling one die is is enough to to get that full string um so uh that's your your second and third i guess options for spending that charge uh defending or performing an attack 
Um, right. He also has a new Chewbacca crew, which is great because old Chewbacca crew kind of sucked. Uh, this one is after you perform an evade action, you may gain one focus token. Like, okay, so you can just be focused, evade every turn, essentially, if you do not bump. Uh, I, I guess you could theoretically rotate or boost or something like that, but uh, it's. I think you're going to be hard-pressed to not be evading every turn because that works perfectly with uh, the Millennium Falcon title, which is uh, no different. Just if you're evading while you defend, you may reroll one defense die. Um, then he comes now, with a rigged cargo shoot. Cool. I mean, nothing special there, but uh, that's fine. And uh, he has L337's programming built in. So uh, if you're not shielded, then your bank maneuvers all decrease in difficulty. So you get that three bank blue, that one bank blue. Uh, the dial becomes a lot more open. So I guess that's essentially just having like knee and numb built in at that point, right? Um, once you're yeah, not but shielded. it's but it's it's more it's uh, it's Battle of Yavin themed, not right. No, I know, but I'm I'm just saying like so. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, same idea. Yeah. yeah, like the that that's what the dial is though with Neon, right? Those are the the banks that. Yeah, simple. exactly. Yeah, so I mean, it's it's a very complete uh, ship and probably a, a fairer one once you get rid of all the ridiculous reroll uh, whenever you want to shenanigans. Uh, so I I think it's very cool i don't think it's as good as you could have made han back in 2.0 but i think it's at least comparable to what you can do with han in 2.5 uh and a nice alternative now brett as a longtime han solo player i want to ask you a question certainly how many times have you intentionally taken the evade action with han solo so i actually take the evade action a lot with han um, really more than, cause I usually have my Han built out with two force. Um, so I don't really need, and, and I used to have lone wolf on him. So I didn't need actions for anything except arc dodging. So I was either boosting or evading basically every turn, but I know that's not how most people would play Han. Yeah. I was going to say cl- classically, I don't think I've run into Han players who are like taking the evade and benefiting from the Falcon Reroll unless there is some sort of Lando or coordinate or mm-hmm. Jin Urso in the list, right? Like if because if you have like a perceptive co-pilot and Jin, then you can focus a babe, right? right. Um, yeah, so I, I I love I love the idea that the Chewbacca crew combos so well with the Falcon title and doesn't punish you for taking the evade. Still makes Han an offensive monster. Yes, definitely, and. Um... I don't know where I was going with that. I just, I, I love the Millennium Falcon title. I'm glad they didn't change it. I think it's, it's such a thematic ability that, that this ship should have that, that uh, tankiness built into it. Absolutely. I'm um, curious ahead, if we're ever going to see like these new, this new Chewbacca and what was it? Attack speed. Uh, if they're ever actually going to be into the game outside of this, like, I, cause like this Chewbacca is uh, pretty awesome. I so. hope not. I hope not because I I think that reintroduces the problem that this style of, of design solves, right? Like if you made this Chewbacca available to every rebel ship, it becomes a problem. Well, I mean, so they, they could find an easy fix about it that like uh, you can only bring this Chewbacca if you have Han Solo in your list. Okay. But then wait, Oh, in your list. Yes. I don't know. Like list, including, I don't know. Like kind of like the mall and Ezra, you know, 
Yeah, but then then you're just slapping a bandit on a problem that you're introducing yourself. I don't think they need to do that to themselves. I don't think I don't think this Chewbacca card as a standalone upgrade card adds enough value to list building that it's worth having to solve those problems. I think having it as a unique ability on this thematic Millennium Falcon like Han Solo is is enough like i think that is good enough and i think in the future if we see chewbacca appear again on another ship let's say battle of endor chewie and and lando or no sorry nina namville what was chewie doing in battle of endor he was on the surface yeah uh <laughs> oh god my star wars card they're taking it no <laughs> uh, they're here um if we see another chewbacca later i think we will see a different ability entirely right and and pete made a, a fantastic you know, point it, which is that, I mean, Chewbacca is really just Jin and Perceptive combined, except you have to, to take an evade with one of them, right? Like, I mean, so we're talking about a card that is about 12 points of loadout right now. And right, to make yeah, it more like thematic, it's, it's just, here's Jin and Perceptive, but we'll call them Chewbacca. Okay, everybody's favorite character from the movies, Perceptive Copilot. Exactly. And then speaking hey, lore-wise... L3's programming was technically in the Falcon at the time of this. Wasn't yes, I, yes, I remember yes, when they, yes. they mentioned that in Solo, right? And it was like, oh, that's why the programming set, or the like the computer had a weird dialect. Well, and, and why the Falcon seems to have like strong opinions on stuff, which is like a recurring, mm-hmm. <laughs> like whenever, whenever R2 is trying to interface with the Falcon or whenever, um, you know, C3PO is interfacing with the Falcon, like they're like, oh, your ship is rude. Yeah, so that uh, just everything about this is so thematic. Makes sense. Now, how do you feel about ha- it only having four charges? I feel good about it. Yeah. Yep. The particularly the coordinate ability is because he's still I six. That's I six engagement phase coordinate. Right. Right. Well, oh, God, mess me up. That's good. <laughs> Don't let me do that too many times. <laughs> uh, Four seems yeah. like the the perfect amount where you, it's not free. Like at some point you're gonna have to make a decision if you're gonna use it, but it's mostly every time you could trigger it, you can. So yeah. I, I think it's a, a perfect number to to balance having some decision making while still giving Han a lot of power. Now, I do want to ask. I, I one I want to point out that I love all of the art on these cards so far. <laughs> What is is these headlights or laser beam? What is coming out the front of the Millennium Falcon here? I don't know. It, it like looks like space balls to me for some reason. It, it's like they 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 look like lasers, I right? But they're not red, which the Falcon's lasers are, and they're also coming out of like the nubbins, which the Falcon lasers don't come out of. Are they the headlights? They look kind of like headlights. They they really do look like headlights. It's like raining in space, and Han's like, oh, put the wipers on. I mean, uh, the only thing I could think of is maybe, like, they wouldn't be tractor beams, because it's right where, like, the thing docks with the... Oh, the sure, something like that. I think it's just cool space rays, if we're, yeah. getting, we're getting real bad. It's like, people are like, get some lines on there. It's what coordinate looks like. Yes. <laughs> he's, <laughs> no, it's, 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 it is headlights, because Han is like, check it out over there. <laughs> He's like flashing his brights. Hey, hey, target lock. Do a barrel roll. Speed up, buddy. Come on. No, hang on. No, can we just? Uh, sorry, I know I'm making jokes here a lot, but 
Han Solo's ability is literally you're all clear, kid. Now let's blow this thing again. Like that is what the ability is. You shoot someone and then you tell Luke to get ready to fire that Protorp at I-5. Like that's the ability. It's so cool. You're like, (laughs) I'll give you this target lock. And he's like, nah, bro, I don't need it. Yeah, right. I've got instinctive aim. He's like, no, no, no. You might want to re-roll these dice. (laughs) What if like Luke has to fire the uh, torpedo at the uh, whole the exhaust vent with instinctive? Uh, So from the from the uh, description in the article, once a ship has the attack run condition, it can make its approach and and attack the exhaust port with its proton torpedoes. Right? Easier said than done. Blah blah blah. Uh, so I do think more than Luke will be able to do it, but I bet we have to target lock the objective that we're trying to attack. Right, right, right. right. And I and and I bet Luke doesn't have to because he has instinctive aim. Yeah, that's fair. Yep. But then you don't uh, have the focus for the uh, three hits that you're going to need or something. I don't know. You could focus. You um, just spend the force. Maybe you can focus. All right, let's uh, let's close this out with pops. Yes. We got pops coming while you perform a turret attack. You may reroll two attack dice, and it comes with the ion turret, advanced proton torpedoes, R4 astromech, and the hope upgrade. I mean, that's strong. Rerolling those two attack dice for an ion cannon turret, he's going to be a hell of a support ship. I'm so excited. I like my guys. I think this is good in standard. I think so too. I think so too. This is the one. This is the one I want to take. And no, listen, no shade to Dutch, who I also love, but I, you know, at four at four points, right? Like so, price matched with Dutch, who could currently take Protorps, and and who himself could be a, a pretty be like pretty beastly in the uh, in in that in this this runner up list from the UK Games Expo. That if you swapped uh, in Bartosh's list, if you swapped Colby for Dutch, that's a pretty crazy alpha strike. Um, but I, if, if Pops comes in at four points, right, for standard play, that is such an exciting opportunity to put into my list building, right? Like that is such an exciting piece. It's a true, a true control piece, like a reliable uh, ionizer. Yeah, right. And just as I'm the math guy today, we're looking at 2.8 hits with a focus. And his ability. So, I mean, that ion cannon is going to be very accurate. Yeah. I mean, that's which range two, too. I mean, yeah. right. Yeah. It, yeah. For range, uh, range one, it's going to be higher. I can tell you that much. Yeah. Uh, 3.7. I, I will say a lot of the time I'm using an ion, ion torps or ion missiles or ion whatever's. Uh, I'm using it to get more dice at range and to plink in a damage on an ace kind of thing, right? Yeah. Rat- on a ship that normally wouldn't, like normally it's got a two die primary. So this is actually an opportunity to ionize things, which is exciting to me. Yeah, yeah. I, I think this is uh, the-, the card I'm most excited about. Just in general. Really? The one? Okay. I, I think no, so. hang on. I mean, like I said, I, I look at everything else as like this is thematic for the scenario. This, like I said, I feel like if I'm throwing Rebels on and this is like four points, I'm auto including this. The one I am most excited for is not fully revealed yet. It's too blurry and it's your boy Jack Porkins. He appears to have the same 
ability as regular Jack with the stress eating. He appears to have hope, but he has he has this ability called unstable sublight engines. And from what I can tell, it says after you are destroyed, you may perform a one straight maneuver and then something else. And I assume that something else is like a dead man switch like ability. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's pretty thematic and pretty freaking hyped. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm, are we going to get like specific cards for each of the Red Squadron? I mean, we I have hope the, so. Uh, we have the oh, we do. list. Right, we're getting Garvin, Luke, Jack, Biggs, and Wedge. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to see if like they just bring back 1.0 Biggs. No, they definitely they will not do that. Do that. Uh, but I, I, you know, we might see a different wedge ability. Yeah. Right. We might see uh, this Dex Tyree is also a blurry one. He appears to be able to roll an extra die if he's got a friendly when he's on defense. Yes. Yeah. Um, but John Dutch Vander, I know Zach, uh, shout out to Zach. Zach was joking. He could run Dutch and John Dutch, right? Um, haha. But <laughs> I do wonder if we see a different Dutch ability. Uh, we also have another un, un, as yet unrevealed Hall Auckland in the Y-Wing. Um, and then, yeah, so then we, we could potentially see new abilities for Garvin, Biggs, Wedge, Dutch, and then definitely something new for this Hall guy, right? Like, that's exciting. Wouldn't it be, like, very neat to see a support Wedge? Right, like, we're, we're just all used to Wedge being, like, the, the heaviest of, of heavy hitters. So it yeah, would be cool and, to see. But in the Battle of Yavin, yeah, the exact he was not. Yeah. He can't stay with you. It's spend a charge and flee the battlefield like a coward. I'm excited. That's all I got to say. I'm, me too. I, I'm excited I, too. I, I think if you, even if you're just like, oh, this is going to be so great for like kitchen table X Bang, it's going to be fun. And Sigma all 5 right. was my favorite movie ship. So I'm excited we're getting a Sigma 5. You like to Wait. beat dead horses. Four or five. I, I don't know. I just feel like they could have just made up some more names to give us. Uh, I guess they could have, but I, I like the I, I, I've always liked the idea of uh, stuff like like the Sigma names here, where these are going to be limited pilots as in unique, but they're still nameless faces to the Empire. Yeah. Who doesn't give a shit. Right. I, I think that, but we're also, I mean, we dark curse is back for you. 1.0 fellas and backstabber. Can I ask a serious question? I don't believe it's Why, gonna be serious, I, no, but sure. I'm, I'm ready. Yeah. Why are all stormtroopers like humanoid? I mean, like granted, we don't see their faces, but like, you know, I'm assuming that they're all just humans. The Empire, the Empire is species. super racist. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, no, that's I mean obvious, but like I mean, like you don't see. No, I, I mean, like that is the reason they don't recruit non recruit non humans. Okay. Like that. That's like I I I don't know if it's current canon, but it was previously a thing in Legends is that they thought of other alien species as less than humans. Therefore, their recruits were all human. I was just walking down the street the other day, just thinking, I was like, I want like. So you Whatever Plocoon species is, <laughs> like take off helmet and have like him, like oh cool. Hey, All right. So do you uh, do you guys remember what Backstabber and Dark Curse did? 
I've been watching a lot of old Team Covenant streams, so I should know what Dark Curse does, but I don't remember. Yeah, so when defending, ships attacking, you cannot spend focus tokens or reroll attack dice. Uh, that seems kind of neat. And backstabber, when attacking from outside the defender's firing arc, roll an extra die. That seems pretty pretty cool. They're just going to do the rear arc when you're attacking from the rear arc. Or the, yeah, uh, Rear half. That'd be, uh, that'd be sweet. All right. Is there anything else that we want to touch on with the Battle of Yavin pack? I think that's about it. It's going to be real exciting to see everything come out of it. Um, so I think that is going to close out most of the show. Pete. Yes, I'm sir. Give you the floor. I mean, thank you for coming on. It was, uh, I know it was last second, but, uh, thank you so much. It was a pleasure having oh, you. So you man, have the floor. Man, it was promote, so good. Say whatever your shout outs, anything you want to talk about. Airhorn. Oh man. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to airhorn. Oh, thank you. Uh, yeah. So we do a podcast, another regional podcast a competing regional podcast we do yet another x-wing podcast you can find us on your podcast platform of choice spotify apple google whatever you can search for yet another x-wing podcast or yaxp yaxp and we'd be happy if you listen to us because i like to think we're fun folks thank you you're pretty fun i like to yeah i like to think of it as we're all in this boat together yeah i feel like we've become Uh, friends despite us all being you know enemies yeah, but you know, I I've I've said this to Sam and Chris, my co-hosts on on another X Wing podcast. I've said it, I've said it to them more than once. I said, guys, I said like I'm committed to doing this like weekly because I'm having fun with it, right? And I'm like, if they because there have been times where Chris is like, oh, you know, I got something to do, I can't record this week, and I'm like, it's no problem. I mean, it's like I'm never going to like uh, you know guilt them into coming on a podcast because I'm like. You know, we 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 try to anytime these guys are on the podcast, it's because they want to be there and we're having a fun time. You know what I mean? And I think that is the ultimate focus for us. That is what is missing. Man, that must be nice. Like, literally, I thought I was playing a game of (laughs) X-Wing today. And then Andrew's like, oh, Pete's here and we're recording. (laughs) (laughs) Surprise. uh, It was funny because I kind of had this like planned out last night when I was just like, yo, you free tomorrow? And you're like, yeah. And I was like, cool, we're going to record. And then. I didn't really say we were playing a game and not playing a game. And then you were like, I, I actually had tabletop TO up. My list was spawned. <laughs> I was what, was your li- what was your list going to be? Han, Luke and Wedge. I guess. Oh, sure. Wow. You fucking sicko. <laughs> Yo, Brett flew like this, like janky list against me one time and it just got obliterated. And I was just like, and like, it, I wouldn't even say I was like flying an optimal list, but I was just like, that's what he needs to do. He just needs to fly the most optimal list. Otherwise, he sucks. Wow. <laughs> See, ironically, kind of like what Pete was saying before, like the whole reason I started flying Han and Luke, though, was because I wanted people to look at the game and be like, oh, that's that's Star Is Wars. It I, it, I 100% was. I took it to a local tournament because I said, what's more thematic than this? And then I was yeah, like, oh, I, wow, this is a lot better than I expected. <laughs> I... uh yeah, I've, I'm I'm I am first and foremost a ship aesthetics person before I am anything else when it comes to list building. I'm like, if I don't like how the physical model for a ship looks, I don't care if it's the best ship in the game. I'm not flying it. <laughs> what is uh, something that you don't like that you won't put on the table? Oh boy, have you seen the Jump Master? Looks like a toilet bowl cover. <laughs> Andrew <laughs> loves the Jump Master. Well, I it's mean, that's hideous. That's mostly like from having Brett syndrome of like when I started playing the game is when the Jumpmaster came out. So it was kind of like this thing's awesome and I can kill yeah. things. So 
I, I think the Jumpmaster looks dumb. Uh, I don't particularly like the uh, the party bus and scum. I think that kind of airs in the so bad it's good again category, but it's all like it's not good, right? Um, yeah, I don't like I don't like those. Uh, so actual movie <sighs> ships, right? Yeah, I so I mean, if you go back to Rebels, to like extended, like I like E wings, but I also recognize that they're not very Star Warsy, right? They're very '90s comic booky. Um, I don't like. Uh, I actually like almost everything in Rebels, other than that. Oh, I don't like the K wing. I hate the K wing. I think it looks hideous. Um, wow, our friendship yeah. is over. <laughs> The K the K wing is just dumb as hell. I think first order. I think the Thai BA interceptor looks awesome. Yeah, that is a rad looking ship. And I if if I could fly a list of just those and silencers and be like good at the game, I would I would play first order. Um, they are. But very I don't know cool looking. Maybe yeah. we get a Thai dagger one day. <laughs> I think yeah okay the tie dagger looks stupid, right? But <laughs> it was mostly just the uh, whatever her name being is, a being dead like, horse. Got it. <laughs> exactly. We completed yeah. fo. It's you know the tie the tie. I hold a grudge against the tie dagger. I know we're I know we're wrapping up here, but I hold a grudge against the tie dagger. The Lego Star Wars Advent Calendar. Okay, I want to say when did Rise of Skywalker come out? Twenty nineteen. Yeah, 2019 sounds right. Um, 2019, that movie came out, and I, man, was it? I can't, seriously can't remember. I think it was 2019. Uh, but anyway, that my daughter and I got the Lego Star Wars Advent Calendar. We put it every day. We opened the box and we put together the little model. The Tie Dagger is one of the models in that box, and it will not stand up on its own because it's got pizza triangles on the side. It just falls flat on its face, and it's awful. Star Wars ruined Christmas. Yeah, what if like that's the reason why they won't make it in X Wing? Is because like every model that they have of it, it just falls on its face. Maybe well, <laughs> I ended up I ended up basically building just like a small little tower of like one one stud circle pieces to like make it a little stand. Oh, and, and that worked. But what a, what a what a garbage ship <laughs> <laughs> for a garbage faction. I get it. Yeah. Uh, no, I think first right. cool. Well, I think that's going to wrap up this week's episode. I want to thank everyone for listening. Pete, thank you again so much for coming on. We'll have to do uh, another episode of uh, Three Fat Dads Play X-Wing Absolutely. in the future. And then uh, we'll, we'll definitely see you in uh, some tournaments. But uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Have a great night. And check us, like I said, check us out on Facebook. Check us out on Discord. <laughs>